Lovely, thank you very much. Good morning. Now, I've heard how you say amen, and I know you can do a lot better than that. Let's try it again. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, thank you. That makes me feel a bit better. It's really, really nice to be here with you, and I do want to start, actually, by giving a big... I don't know if congratulations is quite the right word, but a huge word of thank you to the eco team who have put together such a, uh, a wonderfully crafted service for you, for us this morning. I hope you've been appreciating it and on all the different elements that have been coming into it. So thank you so much for the work that you have done to, to put this service together. I almost feel that my role is redundant because you've pretty had and pretty much had everything that I might want to say to you has been said Uh, and particularly thank you for the children's talk I quite often feel that the uh, the grown-ups talk isn't really needed because generally what's said in the children's talk is so good and is said in such a good way that who needs someone to come up and stand in front of you and preach for 10 minutes But it is really lovely to be here. And I've just come from Chichester, so not very far down the road. And as you heard, I'm Churches and Theology Director for this very strangely titled organisation called Arosha. And Arosha is a Christian environmental charity. So we work for the restoration and the protection of the natural world. We're part of a a worldwide family of Aroshas in something like 19 countries around the world. And each country that we're in, our primary work is some form of very hands-on, scientifically-based conservation work, working with ecosystems and with particular species and always working with the people who, who interact with that species or live within that same ecosystem. So in India, we work with elephants. We work in the Lebanon in a very degraded wetland site that's been messed up because of the war. In Portugal, we also work on a, a really important migratory stopping off point, uh, a wetland site there. In Kenya, we do marine conservation work and we help conserve the last remaining fragment of coastal forest. There used to be forest all the way down the east coast of Africa, and there's now just one little fragment that's left, and we're working, helping to restore that. And like I say, we work with people, because you can't take care of the environment without taking care of the people who share that place. And you can't look after people without thinking about the air that they breathe and the seas that they fish in, the land that they live on, and so on. So community development and issues of poverty relief are very much a part of what we do. In the UK, we run um, a rural nature reserve on the Ipswich Suffolk border called Fox Earth Meadows, a really important place for damselflies and dragonflies. In fact, it has one of the highest um, rates of, of dragonflies and damselflies living there across the whole of this country. Did you know that God really cares for dragonflies and damselflies? He does. And they are dwindling. And so to have this particular site that we can look after is a really special privilege for us. And then we also work in urban areas and we're based in Southall near Heathrow 
<coughs> right in, this, in the heart of this urban area, it's got the highest ethnic diversity in the country. And we've taken over a couple of large pieces of ground, so acres. One was about 20 acres. One we're working on now is somewhere around six. And we've worked with the local churches, with the local communities, with the local authorities to transform these areas that were absolutely horrible places, all sorts of antisocial behaviour and drug taking and everything you'd associate with, with, a, with degraded wasteland. And we've transformed those places into really beautiful community space, spaces, uh, one of which now has kingfisher down by the river and orchids growing in the grass. Who would have thought that right in the centre of this urban area there might be orchids and kingfishers? And we work with the local communities, um, particularly with the local schools, and we see something like 1,500 school kids a year. We bring them onto these different sites and run play schemes and give them that, give them that opportunity to connect with the natural world. Many of them live in accommodation where they don't even have gardens, very urban, very built up. They would never normally have that sort of opportunity. And so we work with them and with the local community, putting on regular work parties. And one of the lovely things about the work we do in Southall is that it's very interfaith. So we get people from all different faiths coming and working on the land. In fact, one of my favourite pictures taken from a work party is of a, a Sikh chap with his turban on, wearing his turban, and he's wearing one of our Arosha t-shirts that says the earth is the lord's and everything in it and it's just a lovely picture of how we can work with other faiths and and introduce them to what the christian faith has to offer in terms of looking after the land that we are living on so arosha is a really special organization it is the only one in the world actually that combines a, a strong rooted christian faith with practical scientific conservation work and I would love to be able to tell you some more about it and keep you informed with the work that we do. Some of you, depending on which seat you were lucky enough to sit on, will have an Arosha leaflet. You might um, have it with you or you might be able to see one on the seat next to you. While I'm talking, do fill out the, the inside back page that says something about send me some more information or tell me more. You're not signing your life away. You're not, uh, we won't share your details with anybody else. But if you are interested in the sorts of things that we have been focusing on this morning, then join up with us and get involved with what we do. Support us, help us to support you in your endeavours. So please fill out that back page and give it to me. I'll be hanging around after coffee. And it would be lovely to have you involved with what we're doing. So we're here, aren't we, looking at caring for this whole amazing earth that God has made. Let me see if I can find my clicker. Is the PowerPoint um, there and ready? Brilliant. And, and I just wanted to bring together the things that we've already been looking at this morning to look at why actually should we bother. Now, I would hope by the end of what we've heard already that really this doesn't need to be answered or doesn't need to be asked, so you know the answer. But I want to see if I can just put that into a, a little package for you. And there are four points that, to me, um, answer the case for us as Christians. And this is asking, why should we bother as Christians? 
And I believe absolutely that caring for this earth isn't a, a secular issue that some Christians, some strange Christian green weirdos in the corner have jumped onto and think is important. I think that caring for this earth actually is an integral part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Let me look at the four things that that I think about. Firstly, for the sake of, of our world. Why should we be caring for this world? Because the reality is our world is in problems. Uh, our world is in trouble. And we've been hearing about some of those things, haven't we, through the course of the things that have been said and the things that we've been praying about. But uh, I'm not going to spend a huge length of time on this because I think we know this quite well. But let's just remind ourselves. Maybe you could call out to me, what are some of the particular issues that our world is facing today on an environmental level? Global warming, Global warming yeah. Climate change. That, that is the biggie, isn't it, actually, under which everything else sits. And we've, we now know, are really completely certain... <laughs> that climate change is happening and it is primarily caused by human activities. In fact, on a scientific level, we are more certain that climate change is happening and is caused by human action than we are certain that smoking causes lung cancer. So if anybody wants to argue against, against the, the scientific consensus on climate change, well then let's revisit the scientific consensus on smoking and lung cancer. It is that certain. And, and we know the many problems that it is going to cause and is already causing today. So climate change, what, what are some of the other issues? Pollution. Pollution, yeah. I could talk into all of these and tell you lots about them, but I'm being very good and I'm going to try not to. Deforestation. Deforestation, thank you. Overpopulation, rising sea levels. Anyone from up here? Greed. Pardon? Greed. Greed, yes, that's impacting all of this. I could, we, we could go on and on and on. I once taught a, a group and set them the challenge of making a list of everything they could think of environmentally that was going wrong in this world and we went round and took it in turns and went round and round and round and round until we were coming to the end I don't want to dwell on this for a long time but it is good for us to be reminded because do you know we're probably all of us from fairly comfortable homes we've made our way here we've probably had a fairly decent breakfast we're sitting in this lovely building we're focused on our on our lives and on our work and on our families and our friendships. And it can be quite hard sometimes to remember actually the bigger context of what is going on in our world today. (coughs) And our world is really, really struggling on every level, every area of the world that you look at, there are problems. So for the sake of the world, because of the many problems that our world is facing, we need to be thinking about how we can be taking care of it. And then secondly, for the sake of the poor, again, what are some of the maybe environmental-related issues that are facing people in our world today? Do you want to call some things out? Famine. Famine, yeah. 
I used to, I've been teaching on these things for many years. And the good news is that I used to say that one in five people goes to bed hungry every night. I now say one in eight people goes to bed hungry. So it's moving in the right direction. And yet, still, one in eight people goes to bed hungry every night. If we imagine that, that this is our world, I don't know how many, uh, are, how many of you are, are sitting here, but imagine if one in eight, an eighth of all of us here, went to bed hungry or went home and we knew that, that they weren't going to have, a, have any lunch. What would we do? We'd share it, wouldn't we? We'd eat a little bit less of our lunch so that we could let the person sitting next to us have something to eat. Hunger uh, issues around food are a big problem today due to our rising population, increasing consumer activities, etc. I told myself I wasn't going to speak into everything you said, and I'm already starting, so I'm going to be good. Um, let's move on. Other problems that people are facing? Desertification. Desertification. And so... Yeah, yeah. So the loss of land that that can be used, soil erosion and so on. Thank you. Poor health resources. Poor health resources, yeah. And increasingly as climate change is, is taking over, so then the spread of tropical diseases that are happening. Rising sea levels, I think someone mentioned that in, the, in our last point. It's thought that around 100 million people live within one metre of sea level rise. And if we think that we're seeing a problem with refugees now, that's nothing compared to what is, is going to happen. And refugees, environmental <coughs> refugees, are, are going to increasingly become a feature of our landscape. I was actually due to come and speak to you right at the beginning of this year, and then I had to change my date because I ended up going to Tanzania for the start of this year, invited out by the Diocese of the Rift Valley to speak to them about environmental things. And I had the real privilege of spending a day with a farmer called Daniel down on the Rift Valley, and he wanted me to come and see the work that he was doing, see his farm. He lives on a little, um, well, not so little, a shamba, a farmstead of about six acres, and he wanted to show me around the land and show me the work that he's doing and his plans for developing it. And he walked me around really proudly, uh, showing me he's got all, he grows all sorts of different things, but he particularly has plans for papaya trees. And he wants to grow enough papaya trees that he can get enough fruit to be able to hire a vehicle to take the fruit to market so that he can sell it, and then, which will then give him the money to feed his wife and his lovely little four-year-old daughter, Daniela. It was an amazing day spending that I spent with him. And as we walked around the land, and he talked so proudly about what he was doing, I could feel my heart just sinking, because it was becoming increasingly apparent to me that for all of his plans, actually, his land was dying. And he, there was one bit of a field where he'd planted a whole load of chilli plants, and he showed them to me, and I looked at them, and they were withering, they were brown, they were, they were dead. Why? Because the rains hadn't come. And he was waiting for the rains, and where the rains had been predictable, they now weren't anymore. And he was suffering as a result. And it was a really clear picture to me 
of climate change and of how we can debate it and get involved in the politics of it here, uh, here, but in other parts of the world, countless numbers of people are suffering from it every day, right now. And it reminded me again just of the importance to be fighting to see measures taken to reduce our impact of climate change and to reduce our carbon emissions. And we worship a God of justice. We worship a God who has asked us to spend ourselves on behalf of the poor, spend ourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed. When we look in our Bibles, we see that there is so much in it around looking after other people, taking care of those who don't have as much as we have. And so working for justice, working for issues around poverty and drought and rising sea levels, these are all a part of what it means to be a Christian and why we want to be looking after this world. Thirdly, for our own sakes, Gandhi said, Western nations are groaning under the monster heel of materialism, under, sorry, under the heel of the monster god of materialism. He said that, what, 100 plus years ago or so. I just to think what he would say if he was here now. And I, I was out in Chennai some years ago and saw this notice on the, the, the uh, gates of a, of a park. Pile up and perish or clean up and flourish. I thought it was a great way of expressing the direct link between our behaviour and how it actually impacts us. Can you imagine Horsham Council on your local park, putting up a sign like that. I wonder what would be the response. But we know that actually as we degrade this world and as we don't look after it, it impacts us. And we've seen some of the pictures around that with, with pollution and a whole range of different issues. And it also impacts us because we live in a highly consumerist society, a society that teaches us to place our our emphasis and place our, our desires and our focus on building a better life for ourselves, on getting more money, on buying more things. And the very consumer-focused life, society that we live in, is causing us problems. You will know, the papers are full of it, that we are in seeing increasing reports of loneliness. So it's become, a, people describe it as an epidemic of loneliness in our culture. Increasing rates of family breakdown, increasing rates of mental health problems, increasing rates of sleeplessness. Sunday night sleeplessness is actually a, a recognised syndrome where people can't sleep on a Sunday night because they're so worried about their working week that lies ahead. If you've experienced any of those things, actually not to put the finger of blame on you, they are symptoms of this very pressurised society that we live in and a society that separates ourselves off from the wider natural world. You may know there are all sorts of uh, scientific surveys and research papers out there showing the, the positive benefit of being more closely connected to the natural world. Things like people who have had an operation, they recover better if they're in a hospital room that has a view out to trees than if they're in a room with no view. And those sorts of results are, are shown around school children as well and, and prison inmates. The impact, the positive impact of being more closely connected with the wider natural world 
and then the detrimental impact when we don't have that. So the message really simply is get outside, go out and do something, go for a walk, get involved in a local conservation project, dig a bit in your garden, go for a walk and notice what's around you. Find ways of connecting with the natural world that is there. So for our own sakes, let's be looking after the world. Because not only will it help the environmental issues that are there, not only will it help other people, it'll also help ourselves as well. And that is a good thing. And then finally, for God's sake. And these two signs both also came from a trip I did when I went to Chennai. He who litters opens evil's door. Whoa! What, what would happen if that was put up on your park, <laughs> park railings? That makes a really close connection, doesn't it, between our activities, our actions, and our theology, actually. If we litter, we're opening the door to evil. And then I love this one on the left. In your next incarnation, you might be an endangered species. Help us save the Siberian crane. Uh, You know, if you believe in incarnation, well, you might come back as an endangered species. So you're jolly well better look after all species in case that's one of the ones you're going to come back as and be in trouble. A direct link with theology. If you say you believe in God, the creator of heaven and earth, If you say, Colossians 1, 15 to 20, that you believe this world was made by Jesus and for Jesus and through Jesus and that all things were, are part of his plans for salvation, if you say that, well, you'd jolly well better live it as well. Live as if you actually mean it. And when I look in my Bible, I see the issues of the land are a central part, an integral part of what is there in the biblical story. We may well be used to reading the Bible as the story of humanity's relationship with God. And that is still very much there. That's central, and I still believe that, so don't worry, I haven't moved away from that understanding. But when I look in my Bible, I also see that it goes broader. God, the people, and the land is like this triangle that always works together. And Colossians 1, 19-20 tells me that the good news of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ died on the cross, his blood was shed on the cross to reconcile all things to him. Not only humans, although yes, definitely humans, but not only humans. And the future that we are looking forward to isn't one where this earth is going to be destroyed and we're going to spend the rest of our days on some floaty heaven, That sort of view owes more to Victorian hymnology than it does to anything in the Bible. The biblical picture is that Jesus will return to this earth. The heavens and the earth will be reunited, transformed, renewed. And we're going to spend the rest of our days on this transformed heaven and earth. So be careful of songs that talk about uh, when Christ shall take me home. Uh, That's a a little dangerous bit of theology creeping into an otherwise fantastic song. And I've spoken in other churches where they've changed that little line to say, when Christ Christ shall come with shouts of acclamation and make earth home, which just changes that slightly. 
So for God's sake, because we believe that God has made this world and thinks it's wonderful and has asked us to look after it, let's be looking after this world. I'm going to conclude, but I can't talk about this stuff without saying something about the the so what. What can we actually do about it? And I just want to highlight these four different areas that are there for us to think about. If we actually want to make a difference in our own lives, let's think about the food that we eat, the way we travel, the energy we use, and the things we throw away. And maybe you might like to to think about one thing that you could do in each of those areas. I'm sorry that I haven't got time to to go with you and look now at all the practical stuff around that, which is why I've put up a, a shameless plug for my book, Ellis for Lifestyle, which goes through the alphabet. It takes an issue for each letter. Each chapter is very short, and it finishes with two or three very clear action points. So if you want actually to do something about this, if you want this Sunday to lead to you going away and making some changes in, in how you live, then have a look at Ellis for Lifestyle, and, and that will lead on from, from what I've been talking about and give you some ideas. Um, Just as I conclude, let me finish telling you about some of the other things. I've brought a whole load of resources. That's the one. I've brought a whole load of resources which are over on my table, which you can have a look at over teas and coffees. My latest book, Just Living, Faith and Community in an Age of Consumerism, picks up on the, the little brief point I made about our consumer society and looks at how can we live well as followers of Jesus in a consumer society. If we want to live effectively for Jesus, we need to understand the context that we're living in, and our context is is consumerism. So have a look at that, and it's got lots of practical things in it, as 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 well as a bit of an analysis around consumerism. My husband's autobiography. He's a pioneer in ethical jewellery. He pioneered fair trade gold. In fact, I have around my neck one of the world's first nuggets of ethical gold, which I wear very proudly. And it's an amazing story, taking him into the ruby fields of Greenland and the rainforest in the Choco region in Colombia and all sorts of run-ins with Asian mafia and and various things. So um, if you would like something that's just a good story and a good book to read, but also an expose on a really important issue that we don't always know that much about, then have a look at that. And then I've got three, and I've only got two of them here, another one on the table, three Bible study guides, one on the book of Proverbs, one on the book of Malachi, and another one that's looking at issues of justice. Really good if you want to spend a bit of time getting into the Bible, doing either some personal study or something in your small groups if you're looking for something for Lent or something. So I hope that those might be a useful resource. As, as I've attempted to pull together what we've been looking at through this service, I'm aware it leaves so many things unanswered, and there's so much more that could be said, but I hope that the, those books will then put some things into your hands that will enable you to take forward what this Sunday has been all about. And I know for you as a church... As you work towards eco-church, you're going to be finding out more about that as well. So let's remember, for the sake of the earth, for the sake of the poor, for our own sakes, and of course fundamentally for God's sake, let us be looking after, taking care of this world that we live in. 
Okay, thank you very much for having me this morning.